One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. If you're one of those people that has that burning desire to travel the world, do you choose travel or does travel choose you? That's a question we discuss today along with how to let your interests guide you as you build a life of travel and so much more. It's all happening right now. Yeah, right now. Let's get into it. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, what's going on? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. What are you doing? How are you? What's happening today? Thanks for being here. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. If you're here, know that you are not alone, my friend. You're in the midst of a giant caravan, thousands of people around the world geeking out on travel and just soaking up some travel today, just like you. So welcome to the community if this is your first time listening. And if you've been here for a while, thank you. I'm going to give a shout out to a couple people in just a moment and somebody that corrected one of my major mistakes in a previous podcast. I'll share a little bit more about that in a second. Also, at the end of the show, I am going to talk about this question. Does travel choose you or do you choose travel? Hmm. I know it sounds like one of those kind of weird Zen koans, like if a tree falls down and nobody's around to hear it, does not make a noise? Or The one about hands clapping, two hands clapping is a particular sound, but then the koan asks, what is the sound of one hand clapping? I'll tell you what it is. It's called snapping. There you go. There's the hand, the sound of one hand clapping, snapping. I answered the question. Anyway, it's one of those questions. I'll uh, I'll try to tackle it a little bit later, and maybe you can tackle it and send me your thoughts as well. Get in touch anytime. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com is my email. I love hearing from listeners out there. And give me some guest suggestions. I just got one today that I thought was kind of interesting and one I put on the list for potential guests. I'm always looking to bring you the best travel show out there about long-term travel, full-time travel, nomad life, all that good stuff. So you can get in touch with me anytime because this is your show. This is a community-powered show. I make this show for you and I am lucky enough to host it, but I want to bring you the content that you want. So get in touch with me anytime and let me know 
what it is you want. Your wish is my command, my friend. I'm really excited to bring you today's interview because my guest has lived a very eclectic life of travel and in many ways let her interests guide her. And we talk about that. We also touch on how home has changed for her since she left. And those are things you don't think about very often, right? We always think about the experiences we're going to have when we're gone. But what about coming back? What's that like? What's that all about? We're going to dive into that and so much more today before we get into it. And this uh, this funny correction that I need to slap myself on the wrist for. Just want to say a quick thanks to Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. You want the best travel backpack out there for any length trip? Go to zerototravel.com slash Tortuga. And because you're listening to this podcast, you're getting 10% off with the promo code travel on anything you purchase. And you can see the backpack I use, the Tortuga Outbreaker, and I also use the Day Pack. And that's my setup. When I go on a trip, there's no question. I just take that stuff out, pack it up, and I go. I know I won't have to check a bag. I know I'm going to be able to fit all my stuff. I know it's going to be comfortable. I know it's going to not break and that the sailcloth they use for the material is going to keep everything inside dry. And it's just an awesome backpack. So zero to travel.com slash Tortuga. And they are kind enough to give us 10% off anything that you order there with the promo code travel. When you check out, just type in the word travel and you'll get 10% off. So you don't have to look anywhere else. That's it. And if you decide to go through that link and use that promo code, you'll also be supporting this show and my work here. And I thank you very much for that. And thanks once again to Tortuga for extending that discount. Oh yeah. And on that page, you're going to see some other products from Tortuga that I like and recommend. So check it out. Thanks again. Okay. I have to tell you about this faux pas I made on a recent episode. I was talking to my friend Jackie and I was so excited to be snacking on one of my favorite little desserts and having some coffee. And that dessert, that little treat was something that my wife brought back from the Netherlands for me. And it was a Stroop waffle with an R. I was calling it a Stoop waffle. (laughs) And one thing you don't want to do is get somebody's national dish or one of the famous desserts or whatever, something that's known across a country. You don't want to get that wrong when you say that. Oh, terrible. So I kept calling them Stoop waffles. And (laughs) Christy.ae wrote me a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you. She didn't take any stars off uh, for this faux pas, but she said, as part of her review, she said, the real inspiration for finally writing this review are Stroop waffles. There is an R, which I think is important because there's nothing stoops about them waffles. Ha ha. Thanks again, Jason, for all the valuable information, tips, tricks, and wonderful guests. Hilarious. Thank you, Christy.ai, for the review and for uh, <laughs> for correcting me, because there ain't nothing stoops about them waffles. There ain't nothing stoops about them, although they are delicious. So I stand corrected. Stroop waffles. I think I probably had part of the waffles stuck in my mouth. No, I'm making excuses. That didn't happen. I just, I effed it up. Let's let's be honest. I effed it up. And that happens sometimes. I get excited. I, I you know, I don't I don't know the names of everything. I'm sorry. I apologize to the Netherlands and to everybody else that loves Stroop waffles that noticed that mistake. So thanks. And also want to say a quick thank you to travel friend Patrick J, who wrote a review recently, said Jason, love your quirky personality and your large variation of interviews covering all kinds of travel topics. I like to think of us as friends after listening to your insights often. 
thank you. I think the same of you, sir. And anyway, he goes on to say, one thing I would like to hear more of is how world travelers take care of their medical benefits. Cheers. Duly noted. Thanks. I will uh, definitely try to dive into that topic going forward. Love to get these reviews. It really means a lot that people take time to write. It also helps get the show out there and helps more people travel. So leave one anytime. I read them all if you feel like it or you know where to get in touch with me on email. Okay, let's get into this interview today right now. Thanks again for being here, my friend, and I'll see you on the other side. My guest today has, among other things, run spiritual retreats in Mexico, established an eco-co-working office in the hills of Portugal, and worked for an international NGO overseas in Peru. She is also co-founder of Freedom X Fest, the first outdoor festival around the location independent movement. Check it out at freedomxfest.com. Today, we're going to talk about how to shape a life of travel around your interests, holistic nomading, which is a word I just made up right before this interview, and so much more. I'm thrilled to welcome her to the show. Finally, Estella Kuhn, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Hey, Jason. It's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's lovely to see you, and you have an incredible smile, and every time I jump on a call with you, I'm getting all kinds of positive vibes and good energy, and I'm so excited to dive into your story today because although we've we've been on a few calls, I still don't know exactly how your travel journey unfolded and how you got to the point you are now. I do know that you spent time in various countries just from reading a bit about your bio. You said, quote, I was born and raised in Budapest. So you're Hungarian, I guess. Studied in the US and graduated in art studies in London. How has living in various countries like that shaped your identity? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, and then in the last 15 years, and that's when I left Budapest, my home uh, town. I lived in over eight countries and traveled in a bunch more. So I guess that in every country that I've been and lived in, it was a really different experience and and learning a lot from the local culture, like from a really early stage on, from the age of, I guess, as much as I can remember, maybe age of five or six, I always wanted to travel the world. I always wanted to live in different countries and experience different places and just have experiences, really. Um, and that's what really shaped my interest all the way through, you know. And then when I turned 18, that was the first time that I had a choice. So I made myself... <laughs> go as far as I could to the US and then that carried on me to London and then France, Portugal, Spain, Mexico, Peru and then currently I'm based in Indonesia but have a really global lifestyle so I'm living a few months in different countries and continents and then traveling in between. This is something we're going to get into today because when you have the whole world open to you sometimes I think that can even be overwhelming. It's a good overwhelming problem to have, right? But where do you go? How do you meld that with your interests? How do you continue to evolve and incorporate your travels? And we're going to get into all that. But you mentioned first being six or seven years old and wanting to travel. What What is your earliest memory of that? Like, What is it that you remember? Because you seem very specific about that age. In my uh, personal uh, experience, it had to do a lot with my family upbringing and my background. So uh, my 
my grandmother's brother was a pilot and I was growing up in a communist country in Hungary, which is really closed mindset. And you know, in Hungary at that time, people couldn't really travel. And my grandmother and my father and my family was really exceptional to be able to, to travel and to go far away places. So that, that, that kind of something that I think it came early on in my childhood, that that's something I always heard about Australia and Hong Kong and all those different places. And I remember having you know, just these like visions or ideas of how another country could look like. And that's something that really intrigued me. So I remember age of six or something, I, uh, my auntie was traveling to Cuba, I believe, and I wanted to get into her suitcase. And literally she had to drag me out from there. And I was like, I really want to go. I just really want to go. And, you know, I, I had, I have a few memories of, of that age when, you know, I was making, um, yeah, kind of, uh, you know, ideas about different faraway places. How could it be? Like, um, I was really intrigued with Africa as well. I remember climbing up on the tree and I was, you know, seeing and pretending that I see zebras and giraffes and in Europe that time, like no one was really talking about. So, yeah, I think it was a really great uh, fun in my childhood to be fantasizing about these places and imagining that one day I can, I'm able to go there. You never know as a, an adult what kind of influence you'll have on kids or just could be a few passing words or something like that where, like you said, your grandmother's brother was a pilot. So coming back with all these stories and hearing those and fueling that imagination of a child, I'm sure, obviously had a huge impact on you. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have a sister. Is she a traveler as well? Yeah, so it's very interesting because we grew up really close. So she's one year younger than I am. And basically we are best friends. And and she she was on the opposite on the on the other hand, she was never really wanted to travel. She wanted to stay more in Hungary and have a more settled um, you know, like lifestyle. And then that shifted two years ago. And actually right now she's uh, also a digital nomad traveling around the world. She just came back from Bali yesterday. And this time I'm in Hungary and she's coming from Bali. So it's really interesting that how it changed uh, over the last few years. But yeah, it, uh, she started to travel only two years ago. And that's when she kind of got the wanderlust. And then now she's building her uh, lifestyle and business around this, this more freedom as well. Inspired by you? Probably. I, 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 I like to believe that I had some positive <laughs> impact on her. <laughs> what was it like growing up in a communist country? And at what age did that start to change? Yeah, so I don't have so many memories because um, I was born in 86. And in 89, that's when you had um, the, the shift. So basically, that that time, I don't really remember uh, many things. And I, I always created, like I was more you know, as I said before, I was more interested about faraway places and travels. I didn't really feel like I'm fitting into uh, my country. Um, I, I felt, um, I like from an early age, like I always had the desire to live somewhere else, I believe. So, yeah, I, I don't really uh, remember anything particular um, about the communist era other than I wanted to do something different and I wanted yeah. to more freedom and, and live a different lifestyle. It's interesting that you say that this idea of not fitting in with your country, which is a pretty deep thing to think at a certain age, I feel, because oftentimes we're just, we grow up in the culture that we're in and that's what we know. So we're just a part of it and it's just organic and natural and, and you don't 
if you haven't traveled around, you don't know what other cultures are like, and you can be exposed to things in books. And of course, through school and education, you learn that there are different cultures and all these things, but it's not visceral. It's not something you know with your core, but I don't know if I ever had that feeling that I don't fit in with my own country as a motivator for travel. I felt like I fit in, but now that I've been gone, I don't feel like I fit in as much, which is kind of interesting. And this goes back to my original question around identity, because as you move around and experience different cultures and the longer your way, I feel that you you start to become untethered from your home country's culture and maybe a bit more reflective about it the good things, the bad things, or what one's opinion is about those things, right? Has being away from home all these years and traveling around so much and living in these different countries given you a greater appreciation for your home country or distanced you from it? Yeah, that's a, that's a good and deep question. And I would say both. Uh, on one hand, I have a much a bigger appreciation and and I'm also for example right now I'm in in Hungary Budapest I just arrived last week and and I'm actually looking for a flat to to have a base here so that's that's really interesting after 15 years um on the other hand I do feel that I wouldn't be able to live here full time so for example spending two or three months a year that's something that I really love I have a really strong bond and connection with my family so I do you know I do enjoy and nourish that time but it also always makes me like, reflect on that. What are the things that I'm not using this place as a base and I'm not living here uh, full time? So it's kind of like a, like a love and hate relationship sometimes I feel. The country that we're from and the place that I'm from, I, I have so much love and appreciation for parts, but I also can see the smallest details that annoy me to and you know like those kind of things that other people couldn't see most people say that oh Budapest is such a wonderful beautiful city and you know they so just see the surface of it but I know the reality I know a lot of things that only people who are actually born here can uh, you know know about and and I think that that's yeah it's a little bit like a love-hate relationship and I would never change you know anything about where I'm from or you know, I would never change uh, that I left the uh, Hungary and I'm living abroad. But I think that, you know, both those experiences really shaped of who I am now. And that's why it's so, it's so valuable and so important And having that kind of conversation and dialogue, like coming back and going away and seeing it fresh every time. That's really important. That's always giving me a new sense of um, getting to know myself always giving also me uh, a possibility to rebuild relationship on a different level with my family or with people close to me. Sometimes I feel that when we live in a country and stay in a country all the time that we forget to appreciate things. And sometimes we just take it for granted because it's always there. So every time I come back, I, I'm, you know, I'm really spending time with family. I really feel that every moment that I have with my grandma, for example, is so precious. And that's something that I wouldn't be able to maintain on a long, on a long, long run. Um, so it's really interesting. And, and for me, coming back to Hungary is always reflecting back on, you know, a place that I came from and also how much I changed. It's also giving me, you know, the possibility to see that how much I shifted and changed in that year. So it's a, it's really interesting. I definitely like the variety and the lessons and the different things that I can see and learn from. There's a natural inclination, I think, to, in a way, use your home country as a barometer for who you are right now. When you leave and you come back, 
it's like trying to fit back into something and then figuring out, okay, well, who am I within this culture now? And how have I changed since I've been gone? And it can get really self-reflective for sure. Relationship to country is something that I don't think in everyday life, at least early on for me before I started traveling, was was a question of, oh, the relationship to my country is going to evolve or change in some way. I just thought that was a stable type of thing. And that's just where you are. But then when you leave, I find that that relationship, like you mentioned, does evolve. And I was wondering if you could give a couple or maybe even just one specific example of something that you appreciate more about your home country now that you've left. Hmm. Well, many, many things. The first and most important is family. I think that I was, you know, especially like in teenage years, I was quite a rebel. So I wasn't really appreciating family. In what way? What did you do, Estella? (laughs) I think that's probably, that's not the conversation that you would want to go in. Come on, give us an idea. Give us one little juicy tidbit of some rebellion from your teenage years. Yeah, for example, I, I was missed from one of the schools. Uh, my parents had to take me out and find another one in a in a few in a few days or a week. Okay, um, I'm sure that didn't make them super happy. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make them super happy. But you know, I, I also have to say that I had a pretty good grades, and you know, I, I was a good student, but I just didn't necessarily like the structure. Let's say that way. So didn't like I to be told to, what to do, right? <laughs> Yeah, like let's say that for me, questioning uh, is one of the most important things. So I would just question everything. So if I, you know, if, if I questioned everything, pretty much like the teachers didn't like, I would stand up in the class and ask like why, you know, why we have to do things a certain way or why do they, you know, and I just questioned. I didn't want to, you know, cause trouble, but um, it wasn't really appreciated in the environment. It's so funny how that scene <laughs> is causing trouble in schools, isn't it? Because that behavior should be encouraged, right? Yes, but I guess it depends on what kind of school systems. I was in a public school system, so that's really traditional. The, the teacher is, you know, um, the only person who can have a say, who knows what to do, what's right, what's wrong. And I didn't really agree with that right or wrong that was taught me to to, to, to believe uh, in. So, yeah, I, I did have a few years, and my, my, my parents had a, quite a few years of challenge um, with me as well as I was growing up and I wasn't appreciating it to be honest I wasn't appreciating the school system I wasn't appreciating um, family in that sense I, I wanted to get out of it and spending a year outside in the US like I was missing home I was missing my family I was you know and I started to actually see you know the value and the different things the conversations that my mom or my dad would bring to me and before I was just slam the door I'm not I don't care but then you know when you're alone and you're sitting somewhere completely different and you're actually missing them then you start to listen and that was really great I I you know repaired my relationship with my father great uh, way like we became really close together just over the phone and that for me that was a really interesting experience of you know that age uh, age of 18 of being somewhere different and actually having a better relationship in a sense because I I was able to listen and they were able to listen as well. Yeah, hmm. so that, that's definitely one of the biggest ones. You mentioned coming back and enjoying those, those moments and maybe those daily life type things that are easy to gloss over when you're, when you're just stationary. Do you practice mindfulness? Are you somebody that tries to live in the moment in this way? Yes, definitely. 
Yeah, I've been practicing meditation and different mindfulness practices since, yeah, I guess about good 10, 15 years. And that's something that definitely adds to my day, day-to-day, like everyday life. On the other hand, for me, one thing that I re- realized really soon, start traveling, is that when when one travels, or like I'm talking about myself, when I travel, then every place that I go to, I almost become a new person. And I have the time frame that I spend in that country, it extends. So I started to feel that um, sometimes like every day can pass really fast when you are in the job, when you're in school, like years can just like go fast. And you go like, oh, wow, like, you know, three years ago, and I can't even remember how it all this ha- uh, year, years has passed. But when I started to travel, then suddenly I felt that, you know, being eight months in the U.S., for example, that was like a whole life on its own. And I really lived every moment in a much deeper way because I just had to be more present because I didn't know things. I couldn't, you know, go on autopilot. Like I had to watch out for everything, learn everything new. I had to learn a new language. Uh, I had to learn new communication, you know, get around, find my way in the city and all those kind of things. And time slowed down. And sometimes it's a bit crazy, but like sometimes I even take it to, you know, to I took it to a place where in one, one year I could go to, you know, five or six different countries for like one, two months at a time. And I feel that that year I even lived, you know, five years because so many experiences happened, so rich, everything that I'm experiencing in the day-to-day level that it becomes, my life becomes longer, uh, the experience of it. And I think it has to do a lot with like being present. When we travel, we are more present because we, we don't know what's happening, what's going to come next. You know, like also we have to be more alert. We have to be more aware. We have to make decisions more uh, often. So all those kind of things add up to our experience of travel. And I think that's a really interesting thing that I, I remember I, I realized it like years after I started traveling and I was like, wow. And I actually started to use this uh, tra- like traveling as a means of, you know, playing around with time and space and actually expand <laughs> the amount of, you know, experiences that I can have within a year, for example. The idea that you can warp time in that way. Einstein should have came up with some kind of relativity theory related to travel, <laughs> I think, right? There's, there's got to be something there. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> as part of your travels, it seems like you've done a lot of interesting things along the way, as I mentioned in the introduction just a few things. I don't even know what other things you've done, you know, the NGO and running spiritual retreats and all this stuff. How did you start incorporating your interests with your travel? I'm just wondering, because you've been on the road for so long. How was your journey? In the beginning, was it just straight travel? And then you started combining it with other projects? How did this unfold for you? That's a really good question. And basically, at the beginning, I was using studies as a means for travel. So when I was 18, I went to the U.S. for a year as a, in high school. And then after I applied to the university in London. So I always picked a different country to do my studies in. Um, then I picked France for my master's just that I can be <laughs> switching locations. Uh, so at the beginning, it was studies. And then... And then once uh, I finished university, I started to use scholarships and projects in the means of travel. So, for example, from France, I took a, um, an opportunity at an NGO in Peru to be working with them so I could move to Peru and I, I was living there. And and then that time, 
I think that I was in 2010. That time I really had to make a choice if I'm going to be carrying on with my career um, in the what I studied or if I'm switching to create uh, something online and start living um, like a more freelance, uh, in the, like an independent lifestyle. And that's what I've chosen. So from that point, from 2010, I actually started to, you know, I, I knew that the two things that I want to do is like one was travel. And the second one was I wanted to create some meaningful things in life. I wanted to create businesses. And that's when I started to see how, you know, online businesses and travel can actually incorporate. And I started to build that up. Uh, but it took me a good few years. So even that in that journey, I went through different stages. Basically, I used business to kind of like, you know, to support my travels, I guess, and support living in different countries. You graduated in art studies, but you ended up working for an NGO. Did you get your master's in art studies too? Yeah. So in London, I did art history and anthropology. And I was working in that field for a few years. And then uh, for my master's, I did international development. So by that time, I I shifted more towards NGOs and social uh, work and and international studies. And that's what I started to work in. But I only did three or four months with an NGO in Peru. And after I decided to to quit that and to start up my online freelance business, and I started to learn web design and development and like completely new life (laughs) begin. What year did that start? That was 2010. Okay. And was it just self-education? And how did you develop those skills and how did you choose what skills to develop? Yeah, so that was self-education. The first inspiration I had in 2008 when I was at uni and I had a class on anthropology of cyberspace. That was, you know, anthropology, that's what I was studying, but we had a class on the internet and how social relationships change using online technologies, building online communities and communication and like, like how this whole technology is shaping uh, and recreating uh, society in a way. And that was really interesting. I was like, wow, you know, um, I, I was thinking about to be working as an anthropologist, working with NGOs to make impact in local communities. But suddenly uh, when I understood that, you know, we can be creating online businesses, we can create like online networks where you can col- uh, connect together different NGOs and people around the world. And that was really exciting because I felt that, you know, suddenly I started to see that, you know, we have much more opportunities and potentials using the internet to connect people together for maybe even people, for example, that time I had a, an idea to create um, a platform where I wanted to connect together local artisans and people producing local products, but they don't have a marketplace to sell it. And I was like, you know, those products are beautiful. Uh, and in Europe, people would pay a lot of money for it. So if we create a platform and we can actually pair those th- together, then local people can make more money. European people can, you know, get more uh, amazing uh, arts and goods. So that was my that was my first like business idea in 2008. And I was really like super, super excited and inspired by. Um, and, you know, it took me a good few years of looking at different angles. And then, you know, I come to a realization in three years that basically uh, I have to learn <laughs> what I'm talking about. I have to learn a bit of programming. I need to understand, you know, how to build a platform, like what the costs are. And then, and that kind of like drove me into this whole new area of, you know, online business that, 
you know, that requires skills, you need marketing, you need, um, you know, design, you also need to understand like business terms and partnerships and collaborations and a whole lot more. So it's been a real jungle, I have to say. And, you know, it, it, it really, you know, it really uh, took me on many different journeys and pretty much like I self-thought myself. Like obviously, like I always had uh, different maybe mentors or people that, you know, I learned from. But I believe that in the online world, when we take on projects and we actually do things in real, like in practice, that's when we learn the fastest. So basically, that's what I was doing. I was taking on client work and I just had to learn it. Um, and, you know, in, in that point, like you just got to do it. And that's how I, I really learned really fast. This is why I beg people to just start with some idea and go for it because you were passionate about this idea. It, it didn't work out in the end, you could say, as a business, but it did because if you never started it in the first place, you wouldn't have gone on the journey and learned all the things you had to learn and figured out what you needed to learn. And Exactly. When you're doing, you learn so much and if you, you just got to pick something and do it to get started, even if you don't think it's going to be the forever thing or even if it might not work and you can never know if something's going to work. As an entrepreneur... I want to talk about evolution or evolving within yourself because it seems like you have a lot of interests and a lot of travelers do, and I do as well. I know in your bio you said, I love to dance, travel, draw, paint, cook, all these all these great things. When you have so many different types of businesses you can create and so many different places you can go and so many things you can do, which is, again, these are very fortunate, quote unquote, problems to have, nothing to complain about. But it's, uh, I know this is something that people struggle with, which is why I bring it up. How do you tap into yourself and decide what you're going to do next and, and what you're going to learn next? And, and how do you navigate that journey? And again, with the preface that nobody does this and and this is an imperfect thing, right? You mentioned the struggle and and it took years to get all this stuff. And it's not like in real time, we can all just decide to evolve in a certain way. And it's this perfect formula, (laughs) but I'm curious how you have done that successfully during your journey. Yeah, I think, what you just mentioned that just get going and do something like that's so right i think that we just got to start somewhere and just make one step the next step and it may not turn out like you may take a different turn or it may it may result for example a different business for example in my case but as you said like i learned so much on the way and all those learnings that actually created of you know clarity on where I am now and what I want to be creating, as well as, you know, gaining all the skills and all the experience to be able to do what I'm doing now. So I think that that's really important. Like, number one is just to get going in a certain direction. And the other one is that, and I know because I struggled with this, like, for so long, um, especially having the freedom to travel wherever we want, you have this constant thing in your head so where I'm going like these people go there these people go there those people go there where do I go and sometimes it can become really draining and as good as it sounds this whole location dependent lifestyle many people actually struggle with you know that that amount of freedom and how to navigate it and and just yesterday I had a really good conversation with a friend and and I was just mentioning to him as well that um 
like I used to, like, I think that there's different like tools and different things that what we can use. For example, one of the things that I used to do quite a lot is that when I had that kind of like struggle in my mind, like all those different, you know, options, be it um, different locations to travel to or different businesses, I would draft it out. Like I journal a lot. I was journaling for about 14, 15 years, like not on a daily basis, but every time that I needed to, you know, just like express things or kind of fat in a challenging situation, I would sit, I would meditate for a few, you know, minutes or for 10 minutes, kind of like drop in and I would just journal it out. I would write it out, all the things that what I'm thinking, what are things that's coming up. I would, you know, draw different circles, do mind maps, put in the different places and then just draw out like what are the things, what are the, why would I want to go to Bali and then, you know, who are the people there? What can I be doing? Then I draft out the other one and I kind of just like see it in perspective. And then either the decision becomes really clear because sometimes you just write it all out and it becomes like, oh yeah, of course, that's what I have to do. And sometimes it's not so clear, but even then it's out of your head. So for me, that was just the relief of, you know, having all those conversations within my mind to draft it out on paper and suddenly it's gone. Like, oh, okay, so now I can at least breathe. And then if the decision didn't come like immediately, then maybe I would just sit with it for a few days. And then it kind of, it always, it became obvious for me, like what is the choice that I have to be taking in that moment? And and what I would say that in that struggle for deciding, I think that that's like a really big, you know, it's a really big challenge that our generation faces because in, you know, in the past, like it was a much more streamlined way that how you went to school, you get your degree, you get your job, you know, you've been in your job for the next 40 years, you get married, you settle down. And then, you know, like it was like all done for you. And then now with this whole freedom lifestyle is suddenly, you know, we can do anything. We can be anywhere. And it, it can get really overwhelming. So I think that it's almost like, you know, as, uh, as human beings, like we have to recreate new habits on how to make choices and decisions and how we can be navigating this uh, lifestyle and almost like creating like our own, let's say, formulas or our own guiding tools that we can use. Also, it can be community. I think that what is really good to have someone or have a support group or have other people that we can share with and be able to just express like, hey, these are my thoughts. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, can you give me some advice? Like, do you know that place? Did you start this business before? Just talk to people because we can get so much and we can learn a lot from other people's mistakes as well, which is really useful and really, really cool. And yeah, those are the things that come to my mind right at this moment. It's great practical advice for anybody, whether you're trying to design a life, we say lifestyle design, and you're figuring out, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Or figure out where to go next or whatever, because I followed that process in, in, in a similar way as well, just doing a brain dump, what I call it, getting it all out of your head and just free flowing and not judging, right? Not judging anything you put on the page or any little silly doodle you draw or any weird whatever that comes out of it. And I like to get a giant piece of sketchbook paper and just start writing things and drawing things and just get it all out there. And it's really a fun way to, like you said, release and kind of see what comes out. And it does bring clarity over time, I feel. And that's uh, thanks for sharing that. I, I appreciate you sharing your process. Okay. I want to ask for more, some more practical advice from you because you have been running 
an agency overseas and, and you're doing all different projects. We're going to get into Freedom X Fest in a second because I want to hear more about that event. And I'm trying to get out there in Spain, which I'm super excited about. Just any practical tips on how you run your business in terms of the time zone challenges and managing clients and, and all the calls and, and just moving around all the time. You want to give some some insight into what that is like and how you manage it? Yeah, so I think that one thing that you, you mentioned around like challenges and, and problems that what we face and even though it's a small minority of, of people that we, uh, you know, facing these these problems, it's really important seeing the problem as an opportunity for growth because I, I, I feel that every time that we have a challenge to face, so let's say time zone differences or how to get new clients over, you know, different uh, continents, like all those different aspects bring um, the challenge, but we challenge, with that challenge, bring the growth that what we can, um, you know, undergo as, as, we, as, we, as we take the steps forward. So, for example, uh, for me, starting to, to work with different clients in the U.S., at the beginning it was, you know, quite, it wasn't so difficult, but I had to overcome of the time zone difference and just, you know, get used to, like, what are the time zones that I'm working on and, and, and what time and how I can be managing, uh, you know, expectations over uh, distance and things like that. Um, and then now it's a little bit um, different in the sense that I've, I feel that I've evolved so much in the process in the last few years that I actually have really different priorities. So one of them, for example, that... When I started off um, creating an agency and I wanted to create you know, a remote agency and be working with different clients and working across different time zones. And, 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 and in recent, this, this year actually, it's really shifted from you know, wanting to create that and kind of like trying to hold it together and, and, and having lots of challenges with um, you know, serving clients while you are traveling and, and, and maybe you are not available in that time and, and and it's just a lot of different noise like I'm actually starting to reduce uh, that noise and having much less work and I'm starting to appreciate uh, having more free time for myself and more space to be creative because I feel that um, when we have the opportunity to let's say create a freedom lifestyle travel around the world have different businesses we still tend to operate on um, things that what we learned or what we are used to. So, for example, in my case, I was still operating in this busyness and stress because that's what I learned, you know. So even though that I had the freedom to be going to the beach and spending time outside, I would just like smash myself with more clients and more deadlines and more things and then just get really freaked out because someone in the I'm working with in Australia already in bed and I can't have that project and delivered in the US because, you know, I'm just creating all these problems. And then I kind of like get to your point that I'm, um, I, I, I got to a point that I realized that actually I don't want to have uh, that noise in my life. And I'm actually happy to let go of some of those, you know, uh, stressful clients or those conversations because they don't serve me as a human being. And, and actually creating freedom in my life allows me to be restructuring in a way that I have more time to, to meditate, to be in nature, to, you know, enjoy small, simple things in life. And and not buy into you know that corporate grind or to that business you know way of doing business um, and that's challenging like for me that's you know that's something that is really challenging right at this moment to actually restructure my life around um, more free time 
more ease, more peace, and, and actually doing less and achieving more with that. And I know that it sounds really contradictory and probably people go like, um, you know, out of my mind, or many people think that it's not possible. But I think that that's, that can become a, a future way of doing business is actually uh, creating uh, from a more um, peaceful place and having more just consciousness around, you know, what are the type of things that we take, do take on and what are the things that we say no to. And the more things that we actually doesn't serve us and we say no to, the more things and space it creates for the things that we are actually happy doing and the things that what we want to be doing. And that's a really new mindset. And, and I think that that's, like for me, that's the most important thing that right now I'm practicing and I'm kind of creating and, and within the business as well, saying no to business and saying, you know, less, uh, it's not easy. But in the same time, it creates like more time and more happiness for myself in a day-to-day life. And that's really amazing. And that's what I'm experimenting with right now is to actually to stay in that flow and to attract more of that. I, I was going to ask you, because this leads to the other question I have, because working and traveling in this way online isn't for everybody. And it certainly changes the travel experience. So how do you think it changes the travel experience? And in what ways is that, do you enjoy it? And what ways don't you like it so much? Yeah, sure. And then also, like, I think I just wanted to add to the conversation that sometimes when we travel, then that's when, you know, unexpected things come up and you have to solve it right in that moment. And I think that with working and traveling is the same thing. And basically, um, you know, when you do travel and work, then you keep that creative part of yourself really alert uh, to be able to solve problems quick and maybe with out-of-box solutions because, and I think that because you want to get back can... to the beach, that's why. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I got to really quickly solve this problem because surfs up, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that travel teaches that to us. Yeah. So that's why it's really interesting when we do travel and work. Then we can everything that what we learn in travel, we can also put back in our work and professional life because it's. Pretty much, you know, when you're traveling, that's when you're open to new things. You constantly have like new insights and, you know, new things coming in your way and you just have to kind of, uh, you know, make decisions and you have to navigate. Uh, and, and I think bringing that to the business can really, uh, you know, enable new solutions. And that's something that's really important, I think, for this lifestyle. Um, and then also, you know, a little bit like a, maybe a few like practical things around travel and work. Like I, I remember like I, I did... Um, you know, I've been challenged quite a lot around how to, for example, how to change location. I used to travel quite intensely. So sometimes I did, uh, you know, like a, a few different countries in a month and I was exhausted. And for example, switching, like right now I'm doing much more slow travel. So I'm actually staying in a place for a month, sometimes two, three, four months and really, you know, creating a rhythm around it. So when I arrive to a place, then I want to create some sort of rhythm. For example, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming to co-working spaces every day, but I like having like a co-working space that maybe I go in like one or two times at the beginning to meet other new people, you know, kind of get into the flow of that country. And then, you know, setting up the workplace. I'm, I'm, now I'm starting to set up my days as well in the mornings, um, depending on what time zone I'm on. So, for example, now in Europe, um, we are working with people in Australia as well as in Europe. So now I'm working in the mornings. I do like four hours in the mornings. And then I, 
I, I tend to shut my computer around like 12 or 1 o'clock and do something else. For example, now a lot of family time that I'm here or do some sightseeing or exercise or do something outside in the, in the afternoon. But when I was in, in Bali a few months back, then I would do this different. I would do the mornings that I had more uh, time for myself. I would do some exercise, yoga, uh, do a run, and then I would start working maybe 10 or 11 a.m. Uh, when the Europe, uh, Europe, we get closer to European time zone. So I'm trying to always, you know, be a bit more aware of, you know, where I'm going next, uh, you know, what things going to be available in that location, what is the requirements for me to be online, and then kind of create a rhythm around it. And that's been really like serving me and helping me in a way that I I just realized that um, I can get lost in the screen. Like when I open my computer and I start to go into different chats and emails, like I can spend the whole day. And if it's no daylight or there's no window, I wouldn't know if it's day or night. And I would stay there for 20 hours. So so now to to create actually you know sections of my day and then breaks in between and saying that, okay, I have four hours to actually produce the work that I need to do, it makes me more focused. And, you know, I have to get things done in that four hours because after I'm shutting my computer and I I have to do something else. So that's something that I'm playing around quite a lot uh, these days. And, And then, you know, obviously that there's a lot more to it that when we travel and work, then, you know, there's a lot to see in that, uh, in that location. Many, many of us, like when we travel to a new place and work from there, if we don't know people or we are not traveling with a partner or worker or coworker or someone, then it can get really lonely, for example. So I, I know that that's something that I used to experience a lot. I'm um, traveling with my partner, so it's a bit uh, different. But, you know, those kind of things, it's, it's, it's always really good to find communities, to find different people in that location and to kind of connect in with them and find out a few things that what you know what you can do in those weeks that you are there and and find those groups or those you know things uh, meetups or different uh, things around the sport interest that can really create a home uh, experience in in those those times that when we are there and create a level of comfort that just enables to you know that we can be working and be focused as well as having fun this goes back to the community part that you said before, right? Having, I mean, that's one of the great things about what's happening right now with remote work and digital nomad scene or whatever you want to call it is that if you go to certain places, you do have this built-in community. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the digital nomad scene right now? Because you've been to several places recently that where there's a lot of activity around digital nomads gathering in, in these places and going to these co-working spaces. What's it... What's it like out there right now? Yes, it's super interesting. And and I remember like 2010, there were no people out there that I could relate to as digital nomads. And I remember that I literally thought that, um, you know, like a loner. Like I didn't know anyone. I was living out in the countryside in Ibiza and Portugal and just working from home because uh, I could still live in nature, in an ecological farm, and I could still, you know, make money by serving American clients. And that was just a really easy, like a comfortable setup for me. But I had no idea if there's other people out there doing the same. And all the way up until 2014, that's when I first heard the term digital nomads. And I was, I remember, I was thrilled. I was like, oh my goodness, there are more people out there actually living this lifestyle. And this is something that exists. Suddenly I thought that, uh, I'm, I'm, 
I'm not alone anymore. I'm not a stranger. It's, you know, it, it became something that I found my tribe. So that was a really great moment uh, for me personally. And that's when I met many of the uh, different co-working spaces, uh, attending DNX and, you know, meeting just really amazing people, really inspirational people with great projects, ideas, just lots of fun, you know, coming together with these different places in Chiang Mai, for example, or in Bali. And just, I remember, you know, having those meetups and having those communities just really accelerated, like, you know, all the things that I would ever want to do or be, because it just, so many new ideas like people just brought all their experiences you know the countries that they come from and it really accelerated like an amazing environment and then now in the last four years like seeing that how it actually became like a global thing right now it's a movement we have like thousands and maybe even millions of people moving across the globe day by day and i can go to almost any um city so for example in budapest i just arrived last week and we put together a meetup um, just a few days ago and we had 40 people there and I knew maybe two or three people however this is my country and I come back every year but people change all the time and there's so many new people who are just you know landed here for a few weeks or someone who just you know like lives here for this year and it's amazing conversations discussions and and also the exchange of you know um, yeah different tips and practices and it's just incredible so right now I feel that this is like a really buzzing you know community and movement where you know we have so much potential to create together and it's a really friendly uh, you know environment so I really feel that where whichever country you know I would go into a co-working space or to a meetup or an event I just feel that people are open to meet new people and everyone's you know really friendly and and everyone's really curious about you know where you're coming from what you do where you're going next and people are also really uh, easily sharing experiences and practices if someone needs help then like hey oh I, I know that one like how can I help you and I think that that's why this whole community is evolving so fast because we you know we are we are open to each other and because we, we help each other and support each other and and that becomes like such an um like such a strong network such a strong uh, you know bond that can really create and also friendships for life lifetime so I, I have so many amazing friends that i met maybe in a co-working space in thailand bangkok you know two three years ago and then we still bump into each other in a different country and it's such a nice time to you know have a tea have a coffee have a beer and chat about like what happened in those years and i think that you know with the co-working spaces co-living spaces festivals different conferences and events it just becomes something much more accessible and pretty much like available worldwide even in in africa for example um in kenya also there's a, another lovely lady doing a stellar great project in uganda there's so many projects like even in countries and places that you would never dreamed of and you know and i think that that's beautiful like i really I feel that, you know, although it's a really small movement, but I feel that it has the potential to be transforming society in a big way in the next coming years. It goes back to the good old-fashioned in-person meeting up, right? We have all this technology and all this exchange of information, but nothing beats the in-person connections and the exchange of ideas in person. And you're doing your part to foster those in-person connections with Freedom X Fest. Can you talk about your event when it is what the whole deal is the concept and i'm i mean i'm just gonna say right here i'm going i gotta put that intention out there that i'll be there yes <laughs> um tell me about it tell us about it 
Awesome. Yeah, so Freedom X Fest uh, is going to be the first festival, let's say, for location-dependent movement. And the intention behind the festival is that, first of all, we create a space where there's going to be lots of talks and workshops and education that we can learn from each other, different skills and practices. Um, and on the other hand, uh, it is an intention to bring together the different players of the location-dependent movement, because as you said as well, that we have digital nomads, we have co-working spaces, we have co-living spaces. There's so many new industries that started to you know, come up in the last few years. And all those things exist, obviously, like, you know, in different countries. But sometimes to have a conversation like what is future of life, uh, of, of work look like? What is location dependence is about? And, ha- and opening up the conversation between the different industries, I think that that's really interesting and that's really important and that's something that we haven't really started. So really Freedom X is the first intention to create that environment where you know we can come together for six days in the Pyrenees mountains of Spain. We are renting a, a village uh, with 12 different houses and a huge land, 250 hectares of land around it. And it's a really inspiring like natural space where we can come together, do the workshops, do talks, and in the, in the same time network and build synergies within uh, different businesses in that space and discuss like what happened in the last few years and where are we heading, what are the new opportunities and how can we collaborate more. So the first year that we're putting up Freedom X, last year we had the first event in Budapest. That was a two days um, uh, event with about 35 different workshops and talks. But it was indoor in a conference space. And it was really, really great. Like energy was amazing. But we wanted to, 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 to go to the next step of taking it outdoor. And, and I think that many of us actually like love being in nature and like love being you know, somewhere that we are not within the walls, but we are outside and we can be doing exercises, we can do yoga, and we have hiking and all the different kind of things. So that's how the festival came about. And this is going to be the first year that, you know, we, we make it um, uh, happening in Spain. And the intention is that, you know, we get, have a great time. We come together for six days. We learn a lot from each other. We share a lot of good ideas, tips, vibes, and, and also set uh, you know, set a few things in place uh, about like what else we can do together as you know people who have similar businesses, similar visions, and we want to be creating. I feel really uh, you know similar things around the world. We are all driven by you know creating more freedom, creating more impact, uh, creating something for society, creating meaning in our lives. Uh, doing more personal development, collaborate more. So all those different people, when we come together, then ideas just spark and things happen, and it's 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 magical. Like I I, I think that you know we as 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 human beings in this community coming together, we just you know we have the possibility to create um, so many things that's beyond our widest imagination, and we don't know until uh, we are actually not there and 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 you know um, creating those. Uh, conversations. So Freedom X is going to be amazing, I believe. And we have a really a beautiful team of about 30 people working on it uh, day by day and putting together the whole festival with uh, almost 100 different speakers and workshops. So there's going to be plenty of content. But I do believe that the real value is going to be to be together and to be there and to, to share conversations and to meet new people, ask uh, things, create new collaborations and and just really to to be together in a space and dream about the future nice and you can check it out at freedomxfest.com 
and this year, 2018, it'll be August 14th, the 19th. But if you're listening to this after that, for some reason, then I'm sure you'll have the information for the next one. I'm sure there'll be another one somewhere. It sounds like that's the plan. And yeah, congratulations. It sounds like a super exciting event. I love the outdoor aspect. Of course, you had me at hiking. You had me at hiking. That was enough. I guess a couple last things before I let you go, because you have another website you run. Do you want to share a couple links on where people can find you? Yeah, of course. So freedomexperience.online, that's a new website that we are launching with lots of uh, content on on the location-dependent lifestyle. So it's going to be different talks and videos, um, interviews, where people can, you know, we can just connect together and discuss different topics. Um, and also all the different events that what we are doing. So Freedom X Fest is the big like live festival. And there is also Freedom Summit that we've been running for two years. And all those different events are published there as well. So you can be tuning in. There's a lot of stuff for free. There's other things that you can join in the community and common experiences uh, together uh, with us. And yeah, start discussions on location independence and and creating some magic from there. Settling down, I have to ask you before we let you go, how how does it feel to be getting a place in a place? <laughs> wow, that's something new. I started yesterday, I have yeah. to be honest. It's really new. I wouldn't say it's settling down. I, I like having different bases. So I, I think uh, staying in Europe uh, in the summertime for two, three months, it's going to be really amazing. And I would love to I have my own place as well because it just feels a bit more coming home. Uh, Sometimes when we are traveling a lot, then we get this wanderlust and it's always on the go, always going and doing. And and sometimes we lose the sense of grounding, the uh, the sense of like home. So that's one of the main reasons that I like to get a place, that I have somewhere to come home. But at the same time, we're going to be traveling. We're also uh, based in Bali, like maybe four months of the year. And then South Africa, uh, in the next few months, we're going to be there too. So we are, you know, create like we are creating and living this like over lifestyle and, and staying in different places. But having homes, I think that that's really great, and I love the the possibility of having a space and then you know sharing uh, in between uh, different friends and community. So I think that that's another great thing that many of us in you know in between the network like we can be so having different places and then sharing with each other because we are not always there in the same time and that is happening already like uh, we just did uh, south africa staying in this wonderful house for like a month and we just you know swapped with someone else who wanted to come to bali and i think that once we it's you know pretty much like airbnb or couch surfing um you know that we can be sharing properties as well that's that's really really cool Yes, I am not going to be in Oslo this winter is my intention. So if anybody wants to swap, if they want to experience... <laughs> Oslo in the winter. The, the, well, it is an experience. It might be a little cold. It's it's great place, great city. But yeah, we're open for the swap here. I'm just going to throw that out there. Why not? Maybe we need the next platform with the, the different places <laughs> yes, coming up. we do need yes. that. We do need that. Um no, I think that's great. Uh, I remember when I was no a nomad for a long time and then I got a place, I was very freaked out at first. But I think as I warmed up to it and changed my thinking around it, I saw it as a tool for freedom as opposed to a tool that was locking me down in some way. And that really helped change my mindset around it. And it really is how you think about things, right? Like you're framing this as a base and you guys are going to base in different places. And that's the plan that's a lot different than like you said settling down because you were pretty quick to cast off that term but if you're if you associate 
getting a place somewhere with settling down, which I was doing in the beginning, then it's it can be scary for somebody that wants to travel because you can feel trapped. And sometimes you have to work through these mindsets with yourself to to kind of frame things up in a way that that makes them comfortable and, and, and is aligned with your values and who you are right now, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I totally hear you on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last question. Do you think you pick travel or did travel pick you? Uh-huh. That's a tricky one. No one ever asked me that one. So, yeah, I think it's both. Yeah, I would say that travel probably picked me. Yeah, the universe probably picked me to travel. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know which way around, but it's that happened the way that it did. And I'm pretty grateful and really happy with it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate I am grateful and happy with the fact that you came here to chat with us and share your thoughts and uh, your perspectives and ideas and your experience with us today. It was so fun to have you on and, and I really hope we get to meet in person here soon. I know we will. So again, putting that out there and thank you so much for your time and look forward to chatting soon. Oh, thank you so much for having me here and it's been a great experience and a great show. Yay. And yes, indeed, looking forward to see you indeed. and maybe many of you at Freedom X. I think that that's going to be a great experience to meet in, in person. Awesome. Thanks so much. Cheers. There you go. I want to thank Estella for stopping by the show and sharing her journey, her life of travel, and where it's taken her so far. Awesome talking with her. And don't forget Freedom X Fest. You can check that out, and I'll include all the links here in the show notes. And we got to answer that question a little bit deeper. Does travel choose you, or do you choose travel? I'll riff on that in just a moment. First, I want to quickly thank Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga. 10% off any of their packs, any of their gear. With the promo code TRAVEL, just type in the word TRAVEL when you check out. You'll get 10% off of everything, anything you order there. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, these are my favorite travel backpacks, my favorite setup, my go-to, the Tortuga Outbreaker and the Day Pack. And I use the Day Pack pretty much every day here where I live in Oslo. And that's another thing I love about the day pack is it's not one of those things I just use when I'm traveling. And the Outbreaker I use all the time, not on just overseas trips, but even when I travel within Norway or travel for whether it's a weekend or three months, I use the same backpack. Works fantastic. And you can do the same by going to zero to travel.com slash Tortuga. 10% off with the promo code TRAVEL. You can check out my recommendations there and see what you think. And if you want a smaller pack or a more minimal pack or something lighter, they have a pack for everybody. So it's not an overwhelming amount of backpacks that they create, but they've done a wonderful job of making sure they're covering all types of travelers. So even if you don't travel for months on end, you take shorter trips and you want something more minimal, they have those types of backpacks as well. They have a duffel bag. They have some packing cubes, all sorts of great stuff. Check it out again, zerototravel.com slash Tortuga. Promo code TRAVEL, 10% off. I'm going to leave you with a quote in just a second as well from one of my favorite books that I'm holding that's sitting right next to me. I like to quote this book every now and again. First, let me try to answer this question. I don't have any notes on this or anything, but I will tell you in my gut, do you choose travel or does travel choose you? I think if you're somebody who feels restless and has that curiosity and it's something you feel like you need to do, 
in a way, I think travel chooses you and you just have to listen to it. If you're that way and you don't end up traveling or an individual that is that way or wired that way and doesn't end up doing it, maybe they're just ignoring that urge, but that doesn't mean that urge doesn't exist. I read an article on the Telegraph, uh, telegraph telegraph.co.uk, about this wanderlust gene. I don't know if you heard about this. There's actually a name for a gene they identified in your DNA, DRD47R. Some of the media was calling it the wanderlust gene. I don't know. It sounds like a little bit of a media spin, I would say. Anyway, this article says... Ever wondered why some people have more of a compulsion to travel than others? Not only travel, but travel to challenging destinations, places where they are likely to be pushed out of their comfort zones or encouraged to take risks. It goes on to say, while researchers have repeatedly tried to link such behavior traits with a gene variant known as DRD4-7R, which is thought to be present in around 20% of the population, and later in the article... Dr. Epstein is quoted saying, we have evidence to suggest that the same gene variant involved in the personality trait of novelty-seeking and impulsivity was also involved in being pro-risk in financial situations. People who have the that gene variant uh, appear to be more risk-prone. So I don't know. You could read the article. I'll link to it in the show notes. But there you go. If you're needing that scientific proof and you want a little something to latch on to to give you evidence of the fact that travel chooses you. It's choosing me. I need to go. I can't help it. You can tell your family and friends, hey, I have the wanderlust gene. I can't help myself. It's in my DNA. I gotta go. (laughs) There you go. You have that article. And I would just say using my intuition, travel, I feel like chose me, but I also listened to it. And maybe that's the way it worked for me. I don't know. I It's a mystery. Life's a big flippin' mystery, isn't it? Okay, I've got a book next to me that I love that I always have next to me. I haven't read it for a while, actually. I, I listen to the audiobook quite often, but it's called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Shunru Suzuki. And there is a quote here that I'm going to read to you that says, we should not hoard knowledge. We should be free from our knowledge. Share your knowledge freely and enjoy your day. Smile. Take a chance today. Take a risk. You're probably going to anyway if you have that gene. And uh, (laughs) thanks again for your time. We'll chat soon. Take care. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.